You are listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cooper. This is episode 59, and I'm speaking this week with the legendary Hughes, uh, someone that I've been looking forward to speaking to for a while after looking at the stuff that he posts online on LinkedIn and so on and so forth. Yeah, I always thought that he would be perfect guest, and I'm lucky enough to speak with him today, and I'm sure you're going to love this conversational hello good morning good evening and good afternoon and wherever you are in this wide wonderful beautiful world that we live in you are very welcome to the global sales leader podcast my name is jason cooper i'm the sales relationship coach what does that mean sales relationship i think it's all about building up those long-term relationships with your clients and with your people because it is about people it's all about people's skills it's all about how effective we are at communicating to others but inadvertently how well we listen but also listening with the eyes because unless you're on the phone you only listen but it's very important when you're in front of people is to really understand what's going on with that body language that is uh, probably 55%. Joe Navario varies it from person to person. He's the number one, as you probably, my very special guest, my awesome guest that is on the other side of the globe. If I dig a tunnel through from Dublin to uh, Sydney, Australia, I'll get through to there. Tony, you're really welcome. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. I'm really excited about having the conversation. We uh, we struggled a little bit beforehand with technology. Uh, through me, my my failings, I think, and um, we actually got there. We're we're working on some awesome technology here in the background, and it should be absolutely awesome. So, a little bit of a synopsis about you, Tony. I'm sure you've heard this a billion times. International keynote speaker, best-selling author, professional selling educator. Love that award-winning blogger and the most read LinkedIn author globally on the topic of B2B sales leadership. And we are talking about sales leadership. We are talking about global sales leadership here. And Tony, rather than me giving more synopsis about you, why don't you give you synopsis about you so you can just give one of the anchor points along the way that really got you invigorated uh being in sales, but then being an entrepreneur on top of that uh, and running your own ship. Well, Jason, I'll keep it brief, but I, I started in professional selling at age 25 uh, after I'd gone to America to start my own company. And uh, the biggest thing I learned when I was in the States is that if you can't personally sell uh, as a business leader or entrepreneur, you are nowhere in business. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Selling is, is a skill that is needed almost in every profession or endeavor in the world. So when I came back to Sydney, we'd sold our company in Australia and I couldn't compete for 12 years in that industry because we were getting royalties. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go and learn how to sell. So I started okay. in, the radio, in the radio paging industry with Telco. I then moved into IT hardware, uh, then eventually into software. Uh, and I became very successful as a seller. I set records that have never been broken um, in both companies and industries. Uh, and I kept getting lured into sales management. And what I found was as a sales manager, you got paid at the average of a much yeah. bigger group. 
uh, and the reward for success was just enormous amounts of increased workload and yeah, stress. Yeah. So I, I, I tended to go back into an individual uh, contributor role in an industry that paid a lot more money. That was how I ended up in the software industry. But eventually, uh, I became the CEO running all of Asia Pacific for North American multinationals, including OpenText. Uh, oh, yes. And, uh, right. Yeah. And, and 10 years ago, I left the corporate world and went out on my own doing consulting. I've published three books. And today, I work with some of the biggest uh, brands in the world globally, companies like Adobe, Salesforce, SAP, DocuSign, uh, some very large telcos, professional services firms. Uh, and I especially enjoy working with sales leaders. I think the sales management, sales leadership role is without doubt the most stressful yep. and most critical role in terms of execution for, for, a, for a company. And I remember as a sales leader, um, I would feel often at the end of a quarter that I'd aged a whole year of my <laughs> life. <laughs> and, and Jason, I agree with your opening comments that, you know, relationships are incredibly important, both with our customers yeah. and our, we need an emotional connection with our own staff. Yeah, yeah, we do. In my yeah. mind, sales leadership is about uh, people and numbers. Like we, we need to be really strong on both of those things. Mm -hmm. um, it's about, it's about coaching and accountability and it's about strategy and execution. Uh, and you can be successful as a sales leader with, with different types of, 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 a, of a personality. And I've seen sales leaders do well that are more analytical sort of personalities and mm. others more, more expressive driver personalities. Um, but it's such an important role in any organization. I totally concur. Um, I'm in the midst of running a global uh, management one at the moment with one of the largest ones in the world. So I, I know where you're at and I coach people exactly the same situations and they're all stressed and yeah. it's what do i need to do to motivate my team how can i make sure my team is uh running strong but they're also running on their own but they're accountable for their own actions but they also need to come back to me what do you think is like a, it's a new year uh 2023 and what do you think are the biggest challenges for 2023? Well, Jason, we've come into 2023 on the back of three crazy years. We, we've had two, oh, yes. two years, two years of a pandemic that accelerated this thing. We you know, described as the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. We're very much now in a digital first world, but digital engagement really created a very high level of disengagement. With, with managers and their teams, with individual sellers and their customers. So selling in many ways is more difficult today. Um, digital selling is a whole new ballgame. So old dogs need to learn new tricks. Yeah. But equally, a lot of young sellers tend to be tick and flick merchants. Um, and How do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, they're, they're very good at wrangling a tech stack and executing lots of activity but not necessarily in a way that's effective. We're living in, a, in an era right now in 2023, and it's just going to continue to get worse, where the world is being bombarded by spam. Yeah. Um, people are automating. In, in my latest book, Tech Powered Sales, we, we talk about the fact that you've always needed a level of, of emotional intelligence, EQ, that yep. needs to be fairly high to be successful as a manager and leader. I, I would argue also as a seller. Yeah. You've always needed reasonable IQ 
as a seller, more so as a leader, but you need another cue today. You need TQ, you need technical quotient. You have mm. to know how to use the bewildering array and the ever-increasing tech stack that we're all presented with, right? So but there's so much of it though, isn't there? So what do we use and what can we use and what should we use? Because if there's there's so much tech being thrown at us all the time. Um, video is the big thing at the moment. Uh, I think it was last year and the year before. I, I've always used video uh, to introduce myself because I think there's a, a really good personal connection before I go into anything else. But there's so much more. And what do we use? And there's uh, there's um, the coaching like gong on top of that that we yeah. can use and other things like that out there that we can use. So there, there's a lot of things that we can use, but how effective are they all? Wow, that, that is such a big conversation. And with that, well, maybe I am being a shameless self-promoter. I encourage people to read Tech Powered Sales. We talk in the book about the essential tech stack and yep. the advanced tech stack. And my goodness, there's a lot of it. Yeah. So we don't have time to dive into all of that. But let's just talk about the basic things. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've phoned salespeople. You phone their cell phone, their mobile phone number, and it goes through to voicemail. And then you get some automated message from the telco. Yeah. You have rung four, eight, nine, <laughs> right? Oh, and you're thinking, you're thinking, did I dial the right number? Is is this John's voicemail or did I, did I call the wrong number? <laughs> And when I've eventually talked to John, I say, hey, John, you really need to get your voicemail sorted out. Yeah. And so often I hear, oh, yeah, I can't seem to figure out how to how to, how to change that. And I'm thinking, for God's sake, you're, you're sort it out. Person. Yeah. We're getting paid as much as doctors, dentists, lawyers, accountants, airline pilots. You know, imagine if you were on the threshold of an aircraft about to board and they're looking at your boarding pass. And as they're doing that, you look to the left into the cockpit and you overhear the pilot say to the co-pilot, hey, look, I love flying. I'm just not into all the tech. You, you, you think I'm getting off. Get me off that plane, please get me off. I am, I am, I, I, I am getting off. Um, so, and, and then things like, like LinkedIn sales navigator, like you say yes. to a rep, right? Imagine, imagine, you know, you're going to London in three weeks you know, for, for two, three days, I want you to fill your calendar with with really worthwhile appointments. Show me how you use LinkedIn to identify the right people to get the meetings with, you know, within your 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 ideal customer profile, those buyer personas that matter to you. Show me how you've set up saved searches, these Boolean searches, you know, so that LinkedIn can be an automated trigger event notification engine mm. to contextualize your outreach. They just look at you in a bewildered way, and the company's paying the best part of a thousand dollars, you know, a year to give this person that platform. If you look at simple things like CRM, you know, they oh, can't God. configure basic dashboards. You know, don't, basic don't get me started on that. Well, and look, I'll, I'll I'll stop ranting, right? But like, imagine if you went to your doctor, and you know, your doctor's asking you lots of questions, right? And then then prescribes you some medication, says, "Great, well, thanks. I'll, I'll you know." I'll see you next time you come in and you say, aren't you going to fill in your patient record system with what happened today? Yeah. Well, I mentioned that the doctor said, well, look, do you want me to fill in the CRM or would you like me to diagnose your problem and give you a script? Yeah. Well, I expect you to do both. You're a professional. Yeah. Yeah. What, what yeah. do you mean you don't, you don't have time to fill in your system of record? Now, a doctor would never do that, but sellers do. You know, do you, do you want me to fill in the CRM or do you want me to go and sell? Well, I want yeah. you to do that. 
it. So p- yeah. people need to get good at using their tech stack. I I I would probably uh, this is me anyway, and I was talking about this earlier on. I think our online personal brand and our personal brand in is just so imperative. It's people in some respects should know you before you even show up because they do the due diligence. Like you make an appointment, blah, blah, blah. But your personal brand is, oh, I'm going to check uh, Tony out. I'm going to take Jason out. And they go onto LinkedIn and they go, oh, he's done nothing. Or he's done everything. And he's got podcasts and he's got books and he's got vlogs, blogs. and But he's also showing you exactly who that person is and how credible they are, but also that big T, which is trust and connection. They know that you're speaking to the right people, and they go, well, I think he, like he's he's savvy enough. He knows his industry really well. But I always like to say, and I was speaking about it today, uh, I think your personal brand is so imperatively important. And it is for you, Tony, because I've seen your personal brand, and you've got your personal brand really reached out globally. Yeah, Jason, it's so true. And for everybody that's listening to this, this is really a sales leaders podcast. For our sellers, when they run outreach at a potential prospect, if that prospect is thinking about responding, Mm. what we know is that three quarters of the time, 75% of the time, that prospect will look at our seller in LinkedIn to decide whether they do. And Jason, what you're saying is true. Do they see someone that's worth engaging with, with a level of insight? and credibility in a reasonable network, or do they see some low level sales spammer and they just go, no, thanks. Um, yeah, so that so that's certainly one of the things that we need our people to do. But look, this is obviously a sales leaders it is. Uh, show. And, and I guess um, maybe it'd be good to talk about where the points of stress are for a sales leader and what we can potentially do about it. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, exactly what I'm going to say then. And uh, I th- I think uh, a sales leader's job is just so important, but it's got to be done right. Uh, so many stresses uh, about communicating well with your team. Are you micromanaging them or are you just being effectively looking after them and making sure that they're all performing in the right way? What do you think is the right way to perform as a sales leader in an organization in 2023? Like we've had a look at tech and I think tech is important and it's imperative to making things run smoothly, but the strategy as well. So span of control is increasing as one of the trends for any sales leader. They increasingly have more people, uh, more responsibility, and therefore time dilution with individuals is a real issue. So um, in my mind, there's some key things that we, we really need to cover off well. We need to make sure that we understand the realities of product market fit and therefore define our ideal customer profile mm. accurately. Uh, time is the most um precious resource that we're working with. It's actually the real constraint. And if people are applying their time in areas where there's not going to be a result, then that's that's almost criminally negligent. So we want our people lined up, focused on where there's product market fit based on defining a right to customer profile. The next thing as a sales leader, I think we need to ensure is that we understand the buyer, buyer personas to whom our people are selling Mm. so that we can then do the third thing, which is essentially important, 
which is create the right conversation narratives of value narratives of value for the person we're speaking with in the conversation. So this thing of insight led selling, but whether someone buys from, from me or not, the way I feel is that, that, that they're going to take some really good ideas away from the conversation, whether they ever become a client and, they, and they'll mm. think, you know what, although I didn't end up doing any business with Tony, that was a very worthwhile, very worthwhile use of my time. So, so those three things are really key before we then get into the people management issues, right? So, so clarity about where we're targeting product market fit, ISDP, no way buyer personas, create the right conversations. Most sellers are busy having the wrong conversations. Uh, they, they talk about themselves and what they do and then start asking questions. And what they haven't done in any of that yet is put a point of view on the table about how that person could drive improved results in their role. Yeah. So that's a that's a big part of what I do with with teams all around the world. So I don't really want to pause there and talk about that, and we we'll jump onto the next thing. No, 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 absolutely fine. So are you talking about value, or are you talking about relationship building? Are you talking about in, in which context would you perceive to be the best point of call there? Well, Jason, what I'm going to say is very controversial, and 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 oh, good. maybe and maybe a little bit of friction with your view, right? So okay. there's a big paradox when it comes to relationships in the world of selling. And the paradox mm -hmm. is this. It's impossible for any of our salespeople to be successful unless they can build a relationship of trust with somebody. Yep. And, and, and Jason, you mentioned trust, right? That's a, another topic, right? But without, without a relationship of trust, no one's going to buy anything. Mm. Here's the paradox, though. For the people that we want to get to, those whom do not yet know us, there is not one of those. There's not one person on the face of the planet in that category don't know us yet, not one of them that's worth getting to that's lonely and bored and looking for another friend in business from the land of sales. Like not one. They are busy and stressed and they want their time back. Yep. So any seller who opens today with, I'm being facetious, but with this disingenuous friending strategy, hey, hey, Mary, did you have a good weekend? You know, did, 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 did you get to watch Celtic? You know, um, did, did, did you get to play any golf? You know, how was the weather for you? The person's thinking, I don't know you. I'm not looking for a friend. So we, we need to get to the point. So we need to show yeah. relevance and context. We need to show relevance and context. Um, and then we need to make it clear in their mind about why they would invest any time in an initial conversation with someone that they don't know yet. So I know, yeah. I, like, I know that's really harsh, but the no, I least... totally concur with yeah. you there uh, because um, you don't want to go. I'm your best mate straight away because that's that's just they don't know you. It's like uh, walking down the street and tapping someone on the shoulder and going, "Hey, how are you doing? Do you want to buy something?" Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then putting your arm around them, going walking down the street with them. Do you want a pint? And going, but that doesn't work in reality. Um, yeah. But I, I I do agree with you there. Um, and I think you have to gain the respect, the trust, but also the value of the other person. They've really got to, uh, uh, you've really got to be empathetic and sitting in their shoes before you start any sort of longevity relationship building and B2B and everything else. You've got to get through the door first. And I think that always goes back with um, many years ago, me knocking on the square mile of London and, going to the financial institutions first and getting through to the receptionist and then trying to speak to someone else and then speak to someone else. And it is a layers upon layers upon layers.
and connection. It's so true, Jason. I, I, I agree 100%. The term value, however, is a bewildering cliche in the yeah. mind of many people when they hear it. So value is defined by the customer, not by us. Um, so when, when we talk about, I want to provide value, we, we need to not ever even use that phrase, right? So that's where our buyer personas are so key. If we, if we for example, are selling uh, to the chief marketing officer, you know, us asking them what keeps you awake at night, you know, what are the biggest problems you're facing? You know, they're, they're thinking, hang on, you're meant to be somebody who engages with CMOs yeah. all of the time, my peers. You tell me what what you think I could be doing to improve results. Mm -hmm. Earn the right to ask some questions by showing me that you know me first. Don't earn the right to ask me questions by having empathy. You know, oh, you know, I know as a marketing manager, you're facing increasing stresses and pressures, you know. Could you tell me what your top five priorities are this year? Well, you you should know. What is it you think you can do for me? So I know this is tough. The, the buyer is expecting our poor seller to be a mind reader, but we need to turn up with a point of view. So for me in my world, if I'm talking to a sales leader or a CEO mm. in the software service industry, I don't need to ask them. I know that it's 98% probable that between 40 to 70% of their people are not on target year to date. I know they're looking for somewhere between typically three and four times pipeline coverage against the number that their organization needs to hit for this quarter and next quarter. Yeah. And most of the time they're operating at between half to two thirds of that if they're lucky. So I, 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 I know that's the case. If I'm talking to a sales leader, I'll say, hey, hey, Mike, now, I'll show them that I know them first. Hey, hey Mike, Mary suggested that we get together mm -hmm. or congratulations on or I've noticed. Hey, the reason for the call is I think there could be a way for you to get more of your people on target year to date and in a way that de-risks the forecast that you're passing up into New York. Do you mind if I ask, what, what percentage of your reps are on target year to date right now? Well, hang on, Tony. I don't, I don't know you well enough to share that that inside information. How, how is it you think I could get more of my reps on target? Oh, sure, John. Um, and look, I'm not trying to overstep the mark. I was just trying to understand whether the conversation would even make sense. I don't want to waste your time. Uh, but what I typically see is 40 to 70% of people in your in your industry aren't mm -hmm. on target. Uh, and, and it's about you being able to hold your individual sellers to account for self-generating their pipeline gap. In most organizations, you'll be looking for three to four times pipeline coverage. And often in your situation, you may be working with, with less than half that. Um, and, I, and I don't know about you, John, but you know, when, when I was in your role, I would often feel I aged a whole year of my life at the end of every quarter. And lack of pipeline coverage is one of the root causes of that. Mm. So being able to hold your people to account for self-generating the gap is, is, is really what this is all about. Um, do you mind if I ask how much pipeline coverage have you got in the business for this quarter and also for next quarter? And how does that compare with where you think it needs to be? And then my next question will be, what are you hearing from your people about why they don't have pipeline coverage? Hmm. Now, no matter what, no matter what anybody says to those questions, no matter what their answer is, I usually say, you know, very genuinely, ah, look, it absolutely makes sense to have the conversation. Yeah. How, yeah. How's your calendar for later this week? 
So, and, and what I haven't done is I haven't talked about sales IQ, global, combo prospecting, RSVP selling. These are all my Who cares at that point? No one cares. Training courses. Yeah. Because if I talk about, if I talked about RSVP selling as a sales methodology for the complex deal, all I do is create an objection. Mm. We've already invested in Miller Hyman. We've already invested in Taz. Yeah, you know, we've got three sales methodologies we've purchased over the years that no one's using properly. Why would I want a fourth? <laughs> right. So all I do is create objections, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so so this thing of point of view, if we can help our people have a point of view and knowing the buyer personas within an industry vertical is really key. Then monitoring for trigger events typically is the best way to contextualize if we cannot secure a referral. Because Jason, I agree with you around relationships. If you can if you can start with a referral. You've yep. started with trust. Yeah, Always really the best way of uh, speaking Always. to anyone is getting that point of referral from someone that knows them and there's a linkage in there. That's always the best way to start that conversation forward. And then I always, like before you're like anyone, you do your due diligence about the company that you sort of know what they do and you understand uh, from their LinkedIn and you understand what they're, pushing out to the world so you understand what could be some of their challenges but again we we don't use telepathy that well i don't think as salespeople, and i don't think we should be using telepathy i can't use telepathy at all so i have to be curious exactly what you've just said and ask some good wonderful questions as openers so you could just dig deeper and really understand your customer because it's not about us. That's where a lot of salespeople go wrong. It's their ego. It's me. It's all about me. So wonderful I am. I'm not in a stockbroker. I'm not slamming the phone and doing this, that, and the other. I'm not doing that. It's not about us. And it's getting out of our own head and getting to someone else's head because push our egos out the way. And regardless how long experience that we have or not some people that are younger some people that are uh, uh have different mindsets it doesn't really matter as long as they can still be as curious i've seen accountants being phenomenal salespeople yeah. because they haven't got that ego they're, they're just all the tech tech people really good technology people because they're really curious because they want to know and they're really good at unplugging stuff and putting it back together i found those sort of salespeople and leaders also phenomenal in what they do because they're just how they think is slightly differently to the typical stereotypical salesperson. I'm sure we, I'm sure you've seen them all. Jason, I really love those comments. It's so true. There's there's so much wisdom for those listening to this and what Jason just said. Um, curiosity is one of the key things you want to be looking for in the salespeople that you hire. So you want people that have a personality where they're a driver. Mm. Uh, these these amiable, uh, uh, maybe less so analytic being a problem, but amiable people pleasers find it very difficult to be successful in generating new logo uh, client wins. And we want people that are intrinsically curious, but people that show the right intent. Now, that, that was my first big epiphany in sales, Jason, was I had this realization it's not about me. It's not yeah. about me and what I sell and me making my number and me succeeding amidst all the pressure I'm under. It's actually not about that. It's about, it's about making a positive difference in the lives of my customers. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking for people 
that need my help, right? Where I can help them improve results, uh, enhance their career, where they can get promoted, where they have less stress, they get home to their families earlier. The people that work for them are more successful. Mm. I, I want to have the intent of making that difference in people's lives. And um, I, I'm a huge fan of Zig Ziglar, who passed away in 2012. I, me too. I've interviewed Tom I've Ziglar been, several times. I know this one. Yeah, I Tom Ziglar. Yeah, yeah. No. And Zig, Ziggy was just an amazing man. And I remember seeing him speak live once at a conference. And, um, and the comment he made really stuck with me. You can have anything that you want in your life if you can help enough people get what they want. Yeah, you know, it's, it's got that quote as well. Yeah. I have two little books of uh, Zig's underneath here, and I uh, Zig is uh, a legend, uh, and all of his quotes. But I saw one of his. Uh, I'm probably jumping off a little bit here, but I watched one of his uh, videos, and it was about thirty something odd years ago, and the stuff he was talking about then is so strong today and it's still wow he could still move people because by the way he speaks and it's just so honest and it's just so real and it's just just like well that's that everyone should be doing this and it, it hasn't changed and it, i don't think it's aged at all by how he actually projects the world tony question that i want to ask you yeah. if you were interviewing you what sort of question would you ask yourself? So if I was trying to sell to me? No, not know? sell to you. But if, Tony, if you were interviewing you holistically, what sort of question would you ask yourself? What, what are the most important attributes that you need to be successful in life? Okay, so what are the most important attributes to be successful in life? What would that be then, Tony? Integrity, personal values, and resilience. Um, I would I would say are probably the top three, um, especially for anybody that wants to go into the world of selling. For whatever bizarre reason, uh, selling attracts people like like moths to the flame. <laughs> you know that are that are often ill-equipped for it. Um, it, it's just incredible. Uh, the world of selling is brutal. Uh, those on the outside think it's this Sir Lunchalot kind of persona, you know, where you, you swan around having coffee and meals with people, making friends. But the truth is it's, it's an incredible amount of hard work. It's an incredibly complex code to try and crack, mm. especially in a world where selling is becoming increasingly difficult. We, um, my co-author in uh, tech-powered sales is an American gentleman called Justin Michael. He's he's truly genius. But in the book, we make we make twenty predictions for the twenty twenties. But one of the predictions I drove amongst those twenty was that thirty uh, percent of business-to-business salespeople will no longer exist. Their their jobs will no longer be here. Sorry, they will still exist. <laughs> <laughs> But their, but their roles will no longer exist by the end of this decade. Um, th there's a real polarization of value in the world of selling. There's more money being spent on inside sales and the tech stack yeah. that enables them and the tools. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be fewer people in the field that can still earn big money and create real value. But they need to, they need to step up. They need to lift their game. They need to become far more consultative. Yeah. So 
you know, being and they need these incredible skills. They they need to have the 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 traits of an evangelist to really spark interest. They need the passion of a lover to really yeah. pursue someone they're sure they can help. They need to be an engineer of value in actually building the business case. They need to be a consummate politician in navigating all of the competing human agendas yeah. inside an organization. They need to be a counselor and a therapist and a psychologist. Um, like there's there's so many skills they need. But there'll be fewer of those field salespeople. And increasingly, the manager themselves will be the ones out there closing the big deals mm. with a lot more of an inside machine that's trying to create opportunity pipeline. Yeah, there's an organization I work with, three, four people doing the same deal at the same time. They're all working with different facets of the deal to make it go through. One person's working with the IT person another person's working with the marketing director and someone else is working with uh, the people that are testing the product on, on the surface and so many uh, cogs of the wheel to make sure it comes to fruition. And hopefully we get up to being that, uh, as Mike Bosworth says, uh, a trusted yes. advisor, uh, another legend in the field of consultative selling. And uh, I've, I've spoken to him several times. Look, I, I could talk to you all day. Uh, I think it's wonderful, and I'd love to have you back on again. Tony, I'm always about giving golden nuggets forward because could you give my viewers, my listeners, one piece of golden nugget that they can take away and apply straight away, along with all the other golden nuggets that you've given as well, because I love what you've said already, just so we can finish up on a really good high. Let me just give you one practical tip as a sales leader that you can apply in your business to make a difference now. Uh, any rep who's got a deal in the forecast, ask the rep, with this deal, how will your coach, sponsor, champion inside their organization finish these two sentences when they get pushback, when they take this up the line for approval and they hear something like, look, Mary, I can see this makes sense. I'm comfortable with the vendor, but I've got or we've got 17 <clears throat> other initiatives we're being asked to approve and we just can't do everything right now. So why this over everything else? Your rep needs to be able to finish these two sentences knowing that the customer champion is going to finish these two sentences mm. the same way. Hey, look, I know we've got a lot on. This is essential because this pays for itself by if your rep can't finish those two sentences because if they're going oh it's essential because it gives us a better dashboard or another widget or it automates a process that's that's not a compelling business reason to do anything yeah yeah right so they need to be able to say something like this is how we gain 20 percent additional market share and this is going to pay for itself not just with more revenue but with higher levels of profitability, with, with less with less effort to, to acquire the customers. If you're mm. only going to approve one thing this month, it needs to be this. So depending on what it is that you're selling. So if you can help your reps develop some commercial acumen, lead with the value of change rather than, hey, we're a better widget, you know, we're a better solution. Because what we all know is that the pain of change has to be far less than the pain of staying in current state. Yeah, yeah. So they've got to they have to be able to articulate the real commercial value of change. That'll that'll help improve win rates and and flush out bad news early, so we can try and do something about it instead of the soul destroying 
number of oh, deals that all just slip at the end of the month or the quarter mysteriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on those wish lists rather than the actual should actually be there and real. Tony's been awesome. I love that. I love this conversation. And uh, you have three little books in the ticker, but the audio listeners um, would see. Um, Tony, why don't you talk about your books rather than me just talking about your books? And then how can people find out more about you? Uh, well, my most recent book is Tech Powered Sales. Uh, it's the follow on to Combo Prospecting, my book before that. They're both published by HarperCollins Leadership out of New York and the American Management Association. And they're all about solving the number one problem that everyone has, which is not enough opportunity pipeline in their business to take the stress out of closing business without doing unnatural acts at the end of every quarter. So I really encourage you to read those two books. And my uh, first book was The Joshua Principle. I self-published that. Which so is on your l- left shoulder, is it? Behind uh, you? Yeah, wherever. Yeah, that, there. yeah over there, over there, there. So, over there somewhere. Yeah, so, so um, uh, but if you go to tonyhughes.com.au, uh, you'll, see, you'll see all of my books there, lots of podcast recordings. This podcast will also be there, or a link to it over on Jason's site. But podcast recordings, YouTube videos, blogs, uh, lots of free content at tonyhughes.com.au. And if you're looking uh, at using these ideas I'm talking about to drive improved sales enablement in your organization, uh, Sales IQ Global is my other business, salesiqglobal.com. We run sales enablement programs, uh, especially around solving the pipeline generation problem. Uh, And obviously connect with me in LinkedIn, Tony J. Hughes. You can connect with me in LinkedIn. So, Jason, I really love the conversation. Would be love to come back on the show and we can talk Definitely. about some some good practical sales management tips. We're only on the tip of the iceberg today. So there's yeah. lots more to talk about. So, uh, yeah. love that, Tony. It's been absolutely awesome. I really appreciate you coming on today um, from via Australia and from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, you've been listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. Every week, I speak with some phenomenal sales leaders from around the world. And today's been another awesome one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Global Sales Leader Podcast. Every week, I do speak to some wonderful, phenomenal guests from around the world of tech, psychology, coaching, and lots of other facets in around the area of success and how to be the best that you possibly can be. If you want to find out more about me, please visit my website, jasoncooper.io or jcooper at jasoncooper.io. I'll be happy to hear from you.